the voices and stories of brand new United Methodist elders ordained during anxious times in the United Methodist Church and in our world. Their stories on episode number 20 of the To Be Encouraged podcast with Bishop Julius C. Tremble. The ceremony itself, it's amazing. Don't know if I can fully articulate everything that you feel in that moment. It's overwhelming. And it's, it's overwhelming in the best way. You are welcome to be encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Tremble. Bishop Tremble is on a mission to encourage you with the love of Jesus Christ so you can rise to your highest potential. On To Be Encouraged, Bishop Tremble speaks to a discouraged world with a good word on the pandemic, racism, the environment, human sexuality, and the state of the church, with a focus on centering your life on the love of Jesus Christ. Has there ever been a more needed time for an encouraging word to our world? This is your time to rise to your greatest potential and to be encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Tremble. Hello, good people. Reverend Dr. Brad Miller here, your co-host on To Be Encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Trumbull. Uh, Today you're in for a treat as we are reminded about what it means to be an ordained clergy in the United Methodist Church, particularly during anxious times, such as we're experiencing right now in our denomination and in our world. It's good to be reminded to a call to ministry and the call particularly to the ordained ministry and the ordination as an elder. Today, Bishop Trimble and I talk with three brand new elders in the United Methodist Church in the Indiana Conference, and we're going to talk to them about their call to ministry, about the ordination process itself, the meaningfulness of that, and how that sets them up uh, for ministry moving forward, particularly during the anxious times we experience in our world and in our United Methodist uh, Church. So today we're talking about call, we're talking about the power of being ordained into ministry. We have with us Hannah, Wisma- Hannah Wiswasser, uh, pastor at Plainfield United Methodist Church and associate pastor there in Indiana. Reverend Keith Turner from Muncie, Indiana, the, the community of Hope United Methodist Church. Reverend Don Zlatty from the Flora, Indiana United Methodist Church. And I really want you to, to listen to their stories. This is part one of a two-part series. Next week, we're going to unpack, in more particular, their approaches to ministry moving forward. But right now, please, 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 wherever your calling in life is, as a United Methodist layperson or clergy, be refreshed, be renewed, and be inspired by the stories of faith, of call, and of ordination as an elder as we get into this uh, podcast here today. Let's begin. This church and our topic today, our privilege is to talk to three brand new elders in the Indiana area of the United Methodist Church. Today we have with us Reverend Don Zlatty, 
from the Flora United Methodist Church in Indiana. We have Reverend Hannah Wiswasser, who's on the staff at the Plainfield United Methodist Church as the associate pastor there. And we have Reverend Keith Turner from the Community of Hope United Methodist Church in Muncie, Indiana. And, uh, and we, of course, we have our resident bishop of Indiana, Bishop Julius C. Trouble. Bishop, welcome to the podcast and help us welcome these good guests here. Hey, great, 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 Brad, and welcome, Don and Hannah and Keith. Uh, it's a blessing to have you with us. Elders, uh, ordained elders, are clergy, uh, clergy persons in the Indiana Conference, uh, ordained to preach the word, serve the sacraments, and lead the people of God in worship and witness in the communities that we've been privileged to serve. So I count it all joy and a blessing to have these uh, three uh, colleagues and uh, clergy members of the Indiana Conference to serve. There, there are three of three of those who were ordained, and not the whole class of ordinance. But we're privileged to have these three, and hopefully we'll have others uh, to talk about ministry in these current times uh, that we've been privileged to serve. Uh, and the season, I, I, I say this often: this is our season. We don't get to pick the seasons, but this is our season. So, with all the joys and all the uh, 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 challenges. I think we can face them if we do it together. Well, thank you for sharing that, uh, Bishop. And we do welcome uh, Don and Keith and Hannah to our uh, podcast here today. And I'd like to start things by getting just a little bit about your faith history. Hannah, uh, uh, Westwasser, pastor of Plainfield United Methodist Church. Can you just share with us just a little bit about uh, your how you came to know Christ in the first place and how that eventually led you to your role as an elder? Uh, right now? I know that's a big question, but can you give us just an idea of what that's about for you? Sure. Um, and thank you for, for having me. Uh, it's a, a joy to be here. Um, my parents moved uh, to Fishers um, and founded a Presbyterian church um, with a, a group of others. Um, and so I was the first child baptized in that church, which was a huge honor. Um, although I don't remember it. Um, but uh, we joined uh, a United Methodist Church when I was about three or four, uh, shortly before my younger brother was born. And I really grew up in that church. Um, I did all of the things that a, a kid in church would do. Um, I sang in the children's choir and they put me in front of the mic, which was a huge honor. Um, I, uh, went through vacation Bible school. Um, and then when I aged out from VBS, um, I would help. Um, I got to do the drama skits, which was so much fun, uh, to teach the Bible stories to the younger kids as they came through. Um, I went through youth group and, uh, felt the call to ministry when I was 15. Uh, it's one of my favorite stories to tell because it starts in the Texas Roadhouse. And I was at the end of my freshman year in high school, went out to dinner with my family to our local Texas Roadhouse and had this really good conversation with our waiter that evening about the importance of youth having a place where they could ask honest questions about both life and faith. And receive honest answers, uh, not answers that poo-pooed their questions, 
not answers that were, oh, we'll tell you when you're older, um, but answers that were honest and real. And just the importance of youth having a place in the church. Uh, And that really started the wheels turning in my head because when I looked at what I enjoyed doing, it was, it was being involved in church. I loved youth group. I loved Bible study. I loved service projects. And um, that started some important conversations with uh, my youth pastor, with uh, both the senior pastor and uh, the associate pastor. Um, And I was fortunate to grow up in a church that always had a female pastor on staff. And so it was something that I knew I could do. I knew I could preach. I knew I could serve sacraments. Um, And as I continued to discern during high school, during college, um, felt called to to be an elder in the United Methodist Church, loved being able to journey with people, loved being able to teach, uh, to do life with people, um, and to be involved uh, with their faith journey. Um, In college, I added uh, a mental health aspect. Um, I was a psychology major, and I think that finding ways that the church can address mental health holistically um, and not simply just if you pray more, it'll go away. Um, and, And so that's a little bit about my ministry journey and what has brought me here. Thank you. Thank you for sharing, uh, Hannah. Really appreciate that. Uh, Reverend Keith Turner from Community of Hope in Muncie. Uh, if you don't mind, share a similar thing. I'd like to hear a little bit about your faith story, what brought you to Christ in the first place, and how that matriculated eventually to your present role as an elder in the church. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity to be with you in this uh, innovative format. It's a joy to be here. Um, I grew up in West Virginia in a Church of God Anderson uh, congregation, never realizing that in my adulthood I would be serving and ministering in the United Methodist Church 25 minutes away from the headquarters of the Church of God Anderson. But uh, that was where my family attended uh, all my youth, all my growing up. But I also attended a private Baptist academy from kindergarten through my senior year of high school. So when God called me to ministry at the age of 14, I not only had a very supportive family, a supportive church, but also a supportive school that nurtured me in that call and gave me opportunity to express my gifts in ministry. So I'm grateful for that. When I went off to college, I spread my wings a little bit and explored other theological traditions beyond the Church of God. I did go to a school in the Wesleyan holiness tradition, but I joined a Presbyterian congregation uh, and uh, uh, later became uh, disenfranchised with the ardent Calvinism and um, needed a safe place to explore my own theology and to reevaluate the received theology that I had. And so I joined the Episcopal Church and was an Episcopalian um, into my seminary years and had actually entered the process to be ordained an Episcopal priest. Unfortunately, that setting was a very toxic diocese and a series of unfortunate events later my ordination process collapsed and I submitted uh, a termination letter. 
in what was really one of the darkest seasons of my ministry formation years, my United Methodist colleagues surrounded me with love and support. And frankly, this is the moment we've all been waiting for. And really, they loved me right into the United Methodist Church. They affirmed my call. They gave me a a place to preach, to serve, uh, and really to um, continue to grow in that call to ministry. And my United Methodist colleagues from Indiana brought me here in 2017, and I uh, declared candidacy shortly thereafter, and here I am five years later, an ordained elder. Uh, So from Church of God, Baptist, throw in a little bit of charismatic, throw in a little bit of Lutheranism, Episcopalian, uh, the Thomas J. Hines 57 variety, and here I am. And uh, my UMC colleagues say, well, at least you landed in the right spot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's quite a story there in and of itself, and we appreciate you being here and sharing with us uh, today, Keith. And Don Zlatty, who is the pastor uh, at the Flora United Methodist Church, uh, I We've got to meet you in the past a little bit and get to know you a little bit. I know you have a passion for Christ and for the church. Tell us a little bit about how you came to know Christ in the first place and how that eventually led you through a series of, of, of extraordinary events to become an elder in United Methodist Church right now. Brad, would love to. I uh, want to thank you for uh, inviting me on. That was great. And I, I want to tell my esteemed colleagues, I love hearing your stories. It's fantastic. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, my story is uh, uh, slightly different. Um, in the fact that I was a rock and roll musician all my life, I grew up in a broken home. Um, I feared God, but I feared God because I assumed he was a a punitive God, um, that was going to, um, you know, send me to hell no matter what. Um, I I was 40 years old, uh, approximately when my father died and it wasn't until I was 40 that I started questioning, uh, I had become. Uh, everything my father wanted me to be, I was a rough, tough, uh, mean cuss that, um, you know, was able to do what I needed to do uh, no matter what. Uh, but when my father was dying, I started questioning, well, uh, if my father, uh, who is a non-believer, uh, I know where God's going to put him. And I and I did everything in my life to please my dad. Um, so then I started asking these questions about um, well, where am I going to spend eternity? And uh, it was God's way of um, throwing me from a horse, so to speak, and uh, making me uh, uh, very aware of that there was something more in life than just um, you know living for the for the moment. Um, uh, over time, I, I started playing in a lot of uh, uh, large churches. I was uh, usually hired to play congregations of you know. 1,500, 2,000, 5,000, or whatever. Um, and I would go um, thinking I was going to church because I was hanging out in the band. And then when the preacher started talking, I would hang out in the green room where the donuts were. And uh, what, I, what I've discovered is that, uh, that God had a plan for me. And I, I, I wasn't sure at the time, but he brought two people into my life. The first was my wife, um, who made me promise uh, to be a man that would go to church with her, which I had no idea what that involved at first. And uh, and then secondly, uh, we moved, uh, when we first got married, we moved across the uh, street from this really rinky-dinky little United Methodist Church. And I remember going into the first time and hearing the music, and I was like, oh, no, this is way too Catholic. I'm out of here. Um, it was, it was, you know, it, uh, and but those two people, 
that God placed in my life um, showed me what unconditional love looks like. And I started realizing when I started asking questions, um, uh, Pastor Sally, uh, well, first off, sending a woman into my life that was going to show me uh, what God was about. That was a brilliant God move because I could have fought off a dude, um, but but, uh, I was completely taken unaware. Um, Over the course of a year, uh, I... uh, read everything in her library. And I got really fascinated with John Wesley and this whole concept of grace and uh, the theology of grace and salvation by faith alone. And, 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 you know, uh, that's what actually brought me to the United Methodist church because um, I know that in my whole life, I was so worried about, you know, my eternity being, uh, uh, you know, spent in hell Um when somebody told me that God loved me, regardless of my brokenness, regardless of my idiot, uh, uh, things that I did in the past, um, it, 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 it inspired me so much. Uh, and that's when God placed my, this call on my life to reach other people that um, otherwise have been uh, either blasted by the church or um, simply just they have, you know, they Google themselves out of a belief because, you know, there's so much other information out there that's garbage. And so my call has always been, I want to share with them the same love that God uh, shared with me through these, uh, these two people um, so that they understand that they're never too far gone. They're never too far away for God. Uh, uh, for God. And, and uh, so that's been the, that's been the, the crux of my, uh, of my call. Um, um, you know, one of, the th- one of the things that I will say that um, living a life the way I did, discernment is something that's pretty uh, uh, important for survival. And I and I love the way God has taken all that information, all that uh, experience, and has uh, turned it into something good. It's it's been a blessing. And so uh, I joined the ranks with uh, Hannah and Keith uh, this summer, and I will tell you, uh, oh what a journey that was! And and uh, it's I can't wait to see what the future holds. Well, we uh, look forward to hear more about that. And uh, Bishop, I'll just share with you briefly about my experience with becoming an elder. I want to hear your experience and how that relates to our new elders here. Uh, some of the, you watching on YouTube will see uh, behind me, I have two or three things important to me. One is my Indiana Jones poster, and I got some of my clerical robes. So I also got my elders' orders and some other things on the wall because when I was ordained elder in 1985 by Bishop Leroy Hodap, that was a high moment in my life, and I certainly hold it dear. So, Bishop, tell us a little bit about the meaningfulness of becoming an elder for you as it relates to these new elders, out of your personal experience and about what it means to become an elder. Thank you, Brad. We were actually ordained in the same year. I was ordained an elder in 1985 by Bishop Jess DeWitt yes. uh, in the Northern Illinois Conference at the time the time I was well, in the Chicago, I knew it had to be about the same time since we went to school together and, and everything. Certainly. I knew it had to be in that same time frame. So that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I do remember just feeling like, wow, uh, you know, a, a church is actually going to call me pastor, <laughs> and uh, uh, and uh, uh, and I had felt a calling when I was sixteen, but it took me a while to really answer that calling fully, and I attribute that a lot to the to my wife I met in college and after. We got married in 1979. I was working as a community organizer. I worked for an insurance company and doing other things. And she, she was the one who said, you're not going to be happy until you 
go have a conversation with your pastor and, and really, really be obedient to the Lord. And so I, I, uh, I do remember too the ordination, actually the ordination experience, having hands laid on my head and others who were surrounding, supporting my pastor and others who had their hands on my shoulders. And I felt the, I felt the literal presence of God in that it was a holy moment. And as a bishop, I, I feel the same. It's it's a it's a it's a it's a holy holy moment to be able to lay hands upon uh, those who will be carrying on the uh, the, the the work of ministry. Uh, I call it the privilege of ministry, and we don't do it by ourselves, you know, uh, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. So so I count it all joy that uh, that Hannah and, and Don and, and Keith are with us today. And I say there, you know, well, certainly there are challenges before us as a church, uh, but I, like, I remain unapologetically Christian, unashamedly United Methodist, and uh, I think that that uh, uh, we serve a big God, and sometimes we ought to really stop. Uh, you've heard me say this before: stop telling telling God how big our problems are, and start telling our problems how big our God is. So I, I'm a firm believer that that encouragement works i'm also a firm believer that that the more you recognize that you don't have to do it all yourself and that god has already forgiven us for our previous failures so i'm sure god was is anticipating we were going to do some more do some more failing even even in the ministry in terms of some of our leadership i think back on some of the dumb things that i did these pastors haven't done of those kind not. of things but yeah one one example one example I, I remember in my first church, Brad, I, I got up in the pulpit and told the people this, that this is a, a, in a, in a church where we had a lot of my members that had had um, apple trees. And so I, I got up in the pulpit and said, we've got enough apples, so we don't need any more apples. And my wife was like, why did you say that? And and I offended probably, you know, three or four people by, by getting up get up uh, telling them you know we've gotten enough apples mm -hmm. and uh so sometimes you do yeah. you know that seems that seems like a, we laugh about that now yeah uh well but, bishop but but, but it's some, something you shared that, a little bit about your experience when you were uh, ordained i mean i think it might be interesting to hear uh, i'll say from my perspective as an elder who's not a bishop but also uh hearing from uh, don and hannah and keith what was it like for you to be in the position of laying hands on uh, Don and Hannah and Keith and others as you've done in your uh, 10 years or so as a bishop. Uh, tell us about that side of the experience for you when the actual ceremony takes place. Well, it, well, I, I think, I, yeah, it's, to me, it's a, it's a high moment of annual conference. Uh, you know, a lot of amongst other high moments, but I think probably the highest moment for me, of annual conferences, you know, we, we, they've heard the questions, the historic questions before, They've already passed the Board of Ordained Ministry. The clergy session has already voted upon them. But this, what makes it part partly is because, you know, there's almost always some family member there. If they're married, their spouse is there. Sometimes a, a pastor who's been mentoring them or someone they've looked up to, you know, now they're colleagues with that. So I find it to be a high holy moment. And then they, they get the, the letter of succession. So, like, I may reference the Bishop Jess DeWitt. And they have a letter of succession that goes all the way back to John Wesley. So I think for me, it's a it's a high uh, moment. I get sometimes caught up, you know, 
thank God they have those cards in front of them because I, you know, I, I, it keeps me from getting too emotional so I can get, so mm -hmm. I can get through it. But I, I literally, I literally feel the presence of That's the Holy awesome. Spirit when this happens. And I pray, I pray for them that it's a, well, it's a special time. I get to look at, I also get to look at the family members and persons who are there. They, they're kneeling. They can't see that. And just to see uh, the, the pride and the love. Uh, and you realize that, th that this journey didn't mm -hmm. just happen by yourself. People praying for you. And it's not, a, not uncommon for me to look at someone standing behind them is just yeah. weeping. It's a high moment for sure. Hannah, tell us about that experience for you. I'm thinking not only in terms of the actual moment of the laying on hands, but, you know, you go before the Board of Ordained Ministry, you have the historical questions read. People like me have to vote on you. You know, I, I voted for all three of you, just so just to be on the record. There, there you go. And, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, and then the, the moment, uh, when you, when you kneel, tell us what about that experience was for you. Going before the Board of Ordained Ministry was nerve-wracking. Um, I think I could safely speak for all three of us and say that was one of the most stressful things of our lives. Um, or two days. Um, but the ceremony itself, it's amazing. Um, I don't know if I can fully articulate everything that you feel in that moment. Um, for me, it was a culmination of 13 years of work um, from when I felt the call. Uh, college, seminary, um, the, the three years of provisional membership, countless hours of reading and papers and study, um, and, and learning the practical bits that they don't teach you in seminary. Um, hmm. but to, to have Bishop Trimble lay hands on me, uh, to have, uh, the original female pastor that I had the conversation with there to lay hands on me, uh, to have, uh, a former, uh, assistant district superintendent, um, who I got to work with, uh, have his hands on me, um, to know that I had family in the congregation, um, that, a number of my parishioners made the trip up from Plainfield uh, to know that um, the retired pastor who comes to the service that I run, uh, he was there um, to know that, that he was standing in the audience. Uh, it's overwhelming and it's, mm. it's overwhelming in the best way. Um, That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you for, for sharing that. And, in terms of, we're going to talk here a minute about how this high moment will lead us into the next moments. But uh, Keith, you came through this process through other denominations and through other ordination processes. Tell us a little bit about the experience was uh, for you to come to this culmination. Was it a good experience for you? It absolutely was, because going through the United Methodist process, you know, from going before DCOM uh, back in 2017, 2018, to the Board of Ordained Ministry, I was really allowed to be myself and to give expression to who God has called me to be and the ministry God has called me to. Whereas in other processes, processes, I felt like I was a minion 
that had to jump through hoops and make a whole lot of people happy and keep people happy in order to be ordained. Uh, so I felt the United Methodist system, the process to be simultaneously, yes, steps and hoops and things like that, but I also found it to be very liberating. So I'm grateful for that. Um, when I was ordained uh, after the service, uh, Serena uh, came up to me and said, hey, can you do a quick interview for the video wrap up? And in that video, I mm -hmm. said it was 15 years of preparation for 15 seconds of kneeling. Mm -hmm. And uh, but it was it was truly <laughs> a powerful, holy moment. And one thing that made it all the more special was one of the clergy laying hands on my shoulders um, while the bishop was praying over me. They pinched me. Not hard. It wasn't painful, but it was a it was a gentle pinch. And I walked away from that was and thinking that was a multi-layered spiritual moment. That in the midst of all of those uh, sacred, holy moments, there will be something that jars you. There will be something that gives you a jolt. Um, and be sensitive to that. Um, because that may be where God is moving to. Um, and so it was a very special moment for me. Um, and to see the culmination of so many years of work. Um, and also to be surrounded by those who love and support me in the ministry God has called me to. Awesome. A high moment, a special moment, and you got the pinch. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Don's, uh, Don's, uh, Don, uh, let's talk about your experience. You came from a, what did I just say? Don I say something wrong? Don Zalati. And then, uh, Don, Mountain. you came out of experience where you were, uh, as a second career or just later in life, you came into this process. Tell us what about the experience was for you and, uh, the, you know, to go through the whole process, the questions, and then, or the uh, elders' ordination is at at that time, right? So the the first thing I I tell people, and it's kind of apologetically, but I'm an Enneagram eight, so I'm highly driven. Uh, I, I'm a, a fighter by nature. I tend to um, when somebody comes in authority before me, I I tend to say, well, you're gonna have you're gonna have your work cut out for you because before I'll follow you, uh, you have to show me something. Um, this whole process, you know, um, from the very beginning, I was doing something that was so contrary to what my family knew, what my father would have ever expected. I often said if my dad realized I had become a pastor, he'd roll over in his grave, right? And, uh, and I'm mm -hmm. thinking, I, nowadays I'm thinking he would go, thank you, son, for being smarter than me. So this whole process has been... Um, understanding this very simple principle. You can't take authority unless you understand how to submit to it. And, and what I mean by that is that, that um, yes, I, I will say that I am driven, and, and that is true, but there was a point in the REM process where I recognized that I was fighting a fight that wasn't really my fight to fight. It was, it was, I was fighting a fight just because there was something in front of me. And I was arguing with myself when, uh, and, and Hannah was in my group, there was a moment where, uh, I, I realized that what was being asked of me was to, uh, trust the process to, um, 
to um, submit myself to the authority of the uh, board of ordained ministry, which and um, to trust that God has got this throughout this whole thing. And uh, when that happened, um, there was this immense peace that came over me. And for the last year, I would say it was like this transformational thing that was happening. So when when uh, Bishop uh, laid his hands upon me and the mentor that I had for the last 10 uh, plus years um, was on the other side, um, I understood what it meant to um, take authority um, by giving up authority. And, and, and to me, that was, it was, you know, Hannah said it, you know, or maybe it was Keith, the 15 seconds, um, it felt like a lifetime for that brief moment. Everything came together. It's like everything that God had been um, walking me through and walking us through in that one moment. Um, you knew that God had called you, and now you knew that you um, you had a responsibility. And that responsibility was um, to understand what grace looks like in all this. And that, that for me, that, that moment uh, was uh, kind of like an aha. Uh, it wasn't that I had arrived. It was that I understood. Uh, I, I understood um, what the responsibility that was being placed upon my head, my heart, and my shoulders, and 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 that was huge. Um, and so I th- that moment uh, uh, touched me more than uh, uh, a, a lot of things in a long time. And so I'm I'm a I'm a, a weeper, and it took everything that I had not to go off the you know camera uh, uh, crying like a big baby. So. Well, that's that's awesome. When all, one way or another, all, on one way or another, all five of us have Let described being ordained as an elder. It's a high, holy moment, special, uh, magnificent in many ways. I think we're going to leave it right there for the time being. Uh, you get a good sense in talking to uh, to Hannah and Keith and Don and Bishop Trimble about and myself. Uh, about the power of uh, the ordained ministry and about the calling and about the special high, high moment of being ordained as an elder. And I hope that you heard that in our conversations that uh, we had with uh, with Reverend Hannah Westwasser, with Reverend Keith Turner, with Reverend Don Zlatty. Uh, and her, the power in that. And that's going to set us up. This is part one of our interview with them for Bishop Trimble and I. And uh, next week, next week, when you tune in to the, uh, to the, uh, our podcast, you're going to hear part two of our conversation on to be encouraged with these three brand new elders, particularly about authenticity in ministry, about resilience in ministry, and about what is encouraging particularly in light of some discouraging events in our world and in our United Methodist Church. What encourages these folks and and uh, the way that uh, the conversation interchange between Bishop Trimble and myself and Hannah and Keith and Don, I believe will be an encouragement to, to those of us uh, who are listening to the To Be Encouraged podcast. Hope that you tune in again uh, next week for uh, part two of this episode. That'll be episode number 21 of the To Be Encouraged podcast. Again, my name is Reverend Dr. Brad Miller. And for Bishop Julius C. Trimble, we encourage you to continue to always do all the good that you can. 
consider yourself encouraged and appreciated for listening to Be Encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Trimble. Now, please share the blessing and encourage others in your life to listen to Be Encouraged. You can do just that by pointing your people to the website tobeencouraged.com. That's T-O-B-E-E-N-C-O-U-R-A-G-E-D.com. Or connect through Apple Podcast, where you can follow, rate, and review To Be Encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Trimble. When you do that, you're doing your part to bring a good word to a discouraged world. Remember to listen next week to be encouraged with Bishop Julius C. Trimble. And never forget, God loves you and there's nothing you can do about it.